Happy Hump Day, everyone. Welcome back to Locked on Buckeyes, the only daily Ohio State podcast out there on the interwebs, to my knowledge. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. We are talking college football playoff today. Right from the start, I'll give my thoughts on the new rankings, number two of the season, and why I'm really not that upset by anything, including the inclusion of Georgia at number four and Alabama at number five. We'll talk the details about that. Also in the second segment, does Ohio State have a buffer zone because of these rankings? With Penn State and Michigan games coming up, I'll give my analysis on whether Ohio State can afford to lose. Also, Chase Young may be getting reinstatement news today. We'll discuss that as well. And in the third segment, Ohio State basketball, huge game tonight. Absolutely huge. Number 10, Villanova against number 16, Ohio State. Villanova Wildcats in town. Should be a great game. That's a 7 p.m. FS1 game. We'll talk about Ohio State and what they have ahead of them with this Villanova team. Locked on Buckeyes is on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to tell all of your friends, family, family's friends, friends, family. Spread the good cheer. Spread the good word. They want to listen to Ohio State Buckeyes. More analysis, insight, opinions. Send them to Locked on Buckeyes. We're on their favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or by saying, play Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. Locked on Buckeyes is sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. And also thank you to support by GoBus. Ohio's rural intercity bus system can bring you to Columbus for Ohio State sporting events with over 40 stops to locations across the state. Visit them at ridegobus.com or call them 1-888-95-GO-BUS. You know, probably the worst thing in radio and podcasting you could do is not have much of an opinion. Ambivalence is not a podcaster's friend, let me tell you. And when the college football playoff rankings came out Tuesday, my first emotion, my first reaction was one of ambivalence. I I reacted so much different than some of you I saw on Twitter. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't have much of an opinion about this. And, you know, these college football playoff rankings, since they've been out in 2014, the one thing they do is they strike emotion in the hearts of college football fans. They really get under the skin of people. And I, I get it. And sometimes I'm there with you. But this one... I just couldn't muster up much of an opinion. And and it's probably because the top three were chalk. Now I have been saying on this podcast that there was a chance. I thought Ohio state could stay number one. I, I gave the committee credit for the fact that they haven't done it. They have not moved a number one team down in the rankings to this point without losing a game. So this was the first time that happened. Now, I wasn't so naive to think that that could never happen or would never happen. It did, clearly. I just thought there was a chance that they might stay with Ohio State because, again, it comes down to best versus deserving. Last week, they said Ohio State was the best. This week, you're basically saying LSU is the most deserving. So it's, it's that my only issue is not that LSU is undeserving or you can't make a case for them being number one, but if you thought Ohio State was there the best last week, and you put them there for that reason, 
then I hate the inconsistency of the logic. That's my only issue with it. You're, you're basically saying, well, last week we went with the best. This week we're going with the most deserving. I don't like that flip-flop. That's a intellectual consistency issue for me. But I'm not really torn up about it. You can make a case for LSU. They're playing really well. They've got a great resume. Nobody would disagree that they've got the best in the country. That's not an issue. So one, two, and three for me, really no issues with. Again, minor quibble there with the consistency. But LSU has earned the number one ranking, so I'm fine with that overall. Then came number four, Georgia. I didn't see this coming. I, th- I thought that the easy thing, the lazy thing, would just be keeping Alabama there. And partially because it's hard to distinguish anybody else. There's a real big gap after those first three teams right now. Alabama is closer to the first three teams in talent and maybe even eye test. I know a lot of you don't agree on the eye test issue, but Bama has been rolling lesser teams. Not a strong schedule, but they have been rolling. Roll tide, no pun intended. If you look at their defense, it's not as good of a Bama defense in the past. There's no question about that. But it is still a top 25 defense adjusted for competition. Some of the points that they've given up when you look at the games have been in garbage time, and their depth on defense is not as good as it's been in the past, so they have given up more points in the second half than they they have previous in previous seasons. So talent-wise, I think Bama, and in the eye test, I, th- I still think they're closer to those top three, but they haven't beaten anybody. Yeah, their defense did look bad against LSU, so it's closer to that second group of three than the top group of three. But I thought it would be easiest to go with Alabama, not just because of the eye test, but also because when you get to the comparison with Georgia, Alabama did blow out South Carolina, that same South Carolina team that beat Georgia on the road. Now, that is why some of you have a problem with Georgia being number four. But I have to remind you, Georgia has played nine games, okay? You can't just pick out the loss. You have to also look at the wins. Because their wins over Florida and Notre Dame, while not terrific, they are a better pair of wins than Alabama has. They are a better pair of wins than Oregon or Utah or Minnesota or arguably Penn State. So I don't have a problem with Georgia being number four because you can't just look at the loss. You also have to look at the wins. They have eight wins and one loss. I, I, I hate in college football that we pick out a, a, a pick apart the loss in a data set of, by the end of the season, 12 to 13 games and focus so much on the loss and it downplay or ignore the 12, 11 or 12 wins. There's a, that is happening too frequently in college football, and, and we need to look at all the data points equally. We can't just focus on the loss. You're putting, not when I say you, I don't mean you listeners specifically, but college football fans in general put too much focus and emphasis on that one loss. I don't have a problem with Georgia being there. I know there is claims of SEC bias and SEC, uh, SEC this, SEC that. But the thing is, if Alabama's there, it's still the SEC situation where Georgia, if they win out and beat LSU, they're probably getting in the playoff either way. So I don't think Georgia being four or five really changes that scenario. I might have put Oregon there 
because the loss is a little bit more tolerable. That loss to Auburn at the beginning of the year where they led most of the way and they had a couple of wide receivers out. They have played relatively well since then. They're not a great team. They're not a superstar team, but they've been winning, winning most of the games that they should win, and they look decent in doing it. I think their best win is probably against Washington, a poor-loss Washington. Maybe that's their biggest drawback because they don't have the wins. But Alabama doesn't have the wins. Georgia does have the wins but has a bad loss. I guess for me, the reason I'm so ambivalent about this is I, I can't, no matter who you put there at number four, there is a really good reason to pick apart that selection. There's not a single team you can put at number four right now and, and say, oh yeah, well that's a, that's a great decision. It just doesn't exist. You can't do it with Utah. Penn State, after they just lost to Minnesota, had to drop. And even Minnesota, who, who skyrocketed from 17 to, what, number eight? I'm not sure that you can even put Minnesota there. Not yet. Now, I do quibble with their being behind Utah because I think in undefeated Minnesota, it was perfectly reasonable to have them in the teens last week because they had not beat anybody. Everybody in the Big Ten they beat had been in the lower half of the Big Ten. But they finally got that signature win that they were looking for, and they looked really good in doing it. Remember, think back to last week. I kept telling people, this Minnesota, Minnesota team is good. Don't be thrown off by their schedule. They're beating teams the way they're supposed to beat them. But that being said, because of the competition and because of the all the starting quarterbacks that they managed to dodge in the Big Ten, which is a remarkable feat in itself, four in a row, four starting quarterbacks in a row were out for the games against Minnesota. I've never seen that before. But they went out and took care of business against Penn State. And they're undefeated now, and because they finally had that signature win, I do question why a one-loss Utah is ahead of them. But that's a minor quibble. I, I can't rationalize or justify Minnesota being ahead of Oregon. I can't really rationalize. I definitely can't rationalize them being ahead of Georgia or Alabama. At the end of the day, if you ask me who do I think is a better team, it's not Minnesota. Not yet. I need to see more from them. I need to see the consistency against Iowa and Wisconsin in the coming weeks. If they show that, if they show out against those two teams, then I'll be ready to say, yeah, they belong in the top four conversation. I'm just not there with Minnesota yet. So looking at these rankings, I, I, I can't get fired up about them. I really can't. I just was taking the top three were chalk. They came out like we kind of expected they might. And then after that, it's just, okay, let's just see what they do. I thought it would be Alabama because that was the easiest route to go. And I think they wanted to make a statement with Alabama. The ironic thing, I see some of you on Twitter complaining about this, about Georgia, but it's like, you finally got your wish. The college football playoff rankings just made a statement to Alabama. That's what, I know some of you wanted that, and they finally did it. Yeah, sure, it's, it's at the expense of seeing another SEC team there at number four. But let's be honest, that's just the way it is right now. If, if, if you really want to be fired up, then I guess you've got to be a Pac-12 fan right now because you're looking at the possibility of a one-loss Pac-12 championship where Oregon and Utah both have one loss and they play each other and the winner is not going to get to the playoff. So if you want to be fired up, that's a scenario, or if Minnesota loses one time, gets to the Big Ten Championship, 
beats Ohio State and then doesn't get in, that's also a scenario. It's why I've been saying and why I said on the Monday show, 18 playoff, we need it. Anyhow, those are my thoughts on the playoff rankings. I just can't formulate a lot of strong opinions on this. And you you know me. You guys know me. I'm I'm usually opinionated, but this one, who are you going to put at number four? I, I didn't see anybody that you could put there without critiquing it. There just wasn't an obvious answer for me. So I didn't mind the Georgia selection. Coming up in the next segment, going to talk a little bit more about the playoffs, but specifically, I want to look at Ohio State's next couple games because it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm going to do the thing you're not supposed to do, and I'm going to look ahead from Rutgers a little bit and kind of look down the road to Penn State and Ohio State and where is Ohio State with the playoff scenarios? Did the committee give us a hint now that Ohio State's in really good shape? We'll talk about that coming up in the next segment of Locked on Buckeyes. So coming up this Saturday, 3.30, 3.30 kickoff on Big Ten Network. Ohio State has that elusive non-noon kickoff. 3.30, as I said, on BTN, Ohio State Rutgers. I'm not going to lie to you. This this game, it's I'm, I'm not going to be motivated to preview it. This is only the third power conference 50-point spread in, in the BCS slash college football playoff era. It's going to wind up as the second or third highest point spread of any power conference game ever. We're looking at 52 to 53 points right now, the spread for Ohio State against Rutgers. It could be way uglier than that. The reason I've been telling people, if you're going to bet, and I'm not saying you should, but if you if you do bet and you want to bet in the future, this might be the game to do it. And I would never say that about a 50-plus point spread. But the thing is, Rutgers is so bad. And it's not just Ohio State and their ability to get a big lead by halftime. Usually that's why these big spreads tend to self-destruct in the second half. At the end, you see a lot of backdoor covers because the point spread or because the margin is so big by halftime of the third quarter, the starters come out and then you see sloppy play and the second and third teamers come in in garbage time. And it winds up being closer than the spread with Ohio state right now, because of the incredible depth on the roster, the second and third teamers come in for Ohio state already up 40 to 50 points at halftime. And they've got the ability to just lay it on. Master Teague right now is the second leading rusher in the Big Ten as a a backup to J.K. Dobbins as far as yards per carry. So he comes in and he puts up 100, 150, 200 yards sometimes, almost 200, as a backup running back. And the same thing happens. Marcus Crowley, the third stringer, comes in and usually averages six, seven, eight yards a carry. Ohio State is just beating people up on the ball. And Chris Chuganov, of course, this past weekend against Maryland looked really, really impressive. And then you look at those receivers, Williams and Wilson. The list goes on and on. Ohio State just has so much talent on both sides of the ball. It's, it's not just offense, but defensively. So I am not under any impression that Rutgers will keep this close. And Chase Young could be back. We're hoping to find out today. Ohio State certainly is hoping they'll find out today. It's expected the NCAA will issue 
a yes or no on the application for reinstatement. Ohio State believes he'll be reinstated and they'll wind up that he will wind up traveling with them to Rutgers and then play this weekend. I think worst case scenario, at least as far as they believe, he's back next week for Penn State. Maybe he gets rejected for the application this week and has to sit out one more weekend and then be back for Penn State. They don't think it's going to go beyond that, but they do. They are optimistic he will be playing against Rutgers. And if he does play against Rutgers, that's just one more reason to think this is going to be a total annihilation. I just can't see this. Even if Ohio State plays a bad game, I can't see this being less than six touchdowns spread. I just can't see it. So I'm going to do the thing where I look ahead because I'm not going to feign interest. I'm not going to pretend this is an evenly matched game. But I was interested because now as you start to see the playoff rankings take shape and there's such a big margin between LSU and Ohio State to Clemson and then an even bigger margin between Clemson and number four, which is Georgia right now, because of that big difference in qualitative and quantitative analysis, when you look at the eye test and the resumes and profiles and all the metrics and everything else that comes into the evaluation of these teams, I think what the committee is saying now to Ohio State, and they're not sending this message, but indirectly that's what's being interpreted when you look at the rankings. Ohio State now has margin for error. Strategically speaking, Obviously, you can't afford to lose to Rutgers as a 50-point favorite, but let's be real, that's probably not going to happen. You probably don't want to lose to Penn State just because that makes it a little more shaky ground. If you lose to Penn State, then Penn State is most likely going to Indianapolis to represent the East, and they have a chance at the Big Ten title. And the problem with Ohio State in that scenario just is that there'd be, they'd be sitting home. And even though they've got that large margin for error, because they would be sitting home and not playing in the championship, you just don't want to be in that situation. You could be, but it makes it a little shakier. But if they beat Penn State, or they lose to Penn State, but Penn State loses an additional game, let's say against Indiana this weekend, then Ohio State is still going to Indianapolis And they're in great shape because they have an opportunity for a quality win against Minnesota. Or if they beat Penn State, then all of a sudden they've clinched the trip to Indianapolis and they're going to Michigan with a chance really to just play loose and play for pride. I know they would want to finish the deal. They want to go undefeated. They don't want to think about losing to Michigan, and that's great. But as far as the playoff is concerned, if they beat Penn State, they've really got a lot of margin for error because they can lose to Michigan, still go to Indianapolis, take care of business against Minnesota, which may be an undefeated top five Minnesota team at that point. And they're still getting in the college football playoff, in my opinion, because they would be Big Ten champs, one loss, a a quality loss at that. And they've built up so much goodwill because of they've been a dominant team all season long. So... I think Ohio State's in really good shape now. Being historically good by the metrics, passing the eye test, having a decent strength of schedule, even though they haven't had a number of quality wins per se, the win against Cincinnati continues to carry weight. 
Indiana, which didn't get into the top 25 of the college football playoff committee, but they are the top 25 of the AP. That's carrying some weight. The Wisconsin win is still good. Ohio State has margin for error now because of the way they played. If if they have a loss, especially as long as it's not one of those 29-point varieties, the type that we saw at Iowa or Purdue, and it doesn't seem like this team is going to have that, and if it if they do have it, it's going to be to Penn State or Michigan. But as long as it's a close competitive loss, Ohio State's in really good shape. So honestly, I know none of you want to consider the what-ifs of Ohio State losing a game. But at this point, Ohio State now is starting to get to the point where they're playing with house money. They're taking care of business, going out, beating the teams by a thousand points, the teams that they should be beating by a lot. If they do that again against Rutgers, it's a two-game season, Penn State, Michigan. You beat Penn State, you're going to Indianapolis. And after that, you're just going up there just to beat Michigan. The undefeated stuff matters, but it's not your college football playoff hopes are probably not going to rest on the result of that game if they get to that point. So beat Penn State, First, beat Rutgers, take care of business this weekend, beat Rutgers, then beat Penn State. And I think at that point, it's all, on the, it's all out there on the line. And like I said, if Penn State loses to Indiana this week, uh, Ohio State actually could probably withstand a loss to Penn State because they'd still be going to Indianapolis with a win over Michigan. So they'd be in great shape there. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but where Ohio State is now, they are in really, really good shape as far as the playoff is concerned. Coming up, third segment, Ohio State-Villanova. I'll tell you what to expect from this number 10 Villanova team and how they're a little bit different than the Villanova you've seen in the past, plus some basketball scheduling news to touch on. Coming up in the third segment. Big picture, tonight, 7 p.m. at the Schottenstein Center. Value City Arena, Ohio State basketball takes the court for the third game of the regular season, having wins against Cincinnati and UMass Lowell. This one is a little bit tougher test. Villanova comes in ranked number 10. Ohio State is number 16 in the current AP poll. This is a little bit different Villanova team than you're accustomed to seeing the last few years, especially if you think back to a couple of their title, title game appearances. Really, really guard-oriented team. Smaller lineup, passed the ball really well, shot the ball really well. This is a different situation. They have three guys that are starting in their lineup. They're 6'8 or 6'9. Kind of lanky forwards, but very effective forwards. More skilled up front. A couple of them can shoot. They still like to shoot. They had 30 attempts the other day against Army. But they're not as good from the perimeter. Not as good as shooting. So this is a little bit tougher test for Ohio State because of the length up front with those three forwards that Villanova will start. And with Andre Wesson out of the lineup with that eye socket injury, he will not be playing in this game. It's going to be important for Ohio State to get production from Kyle Young, which has been just tremendous in his first couple games out this year. Caleb Wesson is going to have to be big. EJ Lydell, the freshman, will have to be big in this game. The size up front, and it might be an opportunity for Alonzo Gaffney to get more meaningful playing time. Gaffney did not play against Cincinnati. He did get more action against UMass Lowell. Those guys are going to have to come up big. 
but it's another opportunity for DJ Carton to shine in primetime. That guy is going to be really, really good by the end of the year. He already is really good. Chris Holtman saying the other day that Carton has as much burst, 0-60 to 60 burst, as any player he has ever coached, and I completely believe that. I'm excited to see him in person again. Saw him in one of the practices, was really impressed then. It'll be good to see him for my first time out in a game, as I will be at this Villanova game Wednesday evening. That game is a 7 p.m. tip, by the way, on FS1, if you're wondering. Huge showdown for Ohio State, huge opportunity. And the good part about this for the Buckeyes, as far as the resume is concerned, if Ohio State can come out Wednesday night with this win against Villanova, the schedule allows them to kind of take a step back and catch their breath a little bit. Because the next couple of weeks will be about getting some more quality practices in and getting a chance to improve. Some of the things, that, the early season issues that we've seen with some of the sloppiness and turnovers, the shooting inconsistency, a few of those things will improve as the season goes along. Free throws, obviously, a big, a big one as well. But they really have a few weeks after this game where things will just kind of simmer down, and then they'll have two weeks until they start getting back into the meat of the non-conference schedule. After that, it gets it's game on because then they, they have the trip to North Carolina in the ACC Challenge. They're going to have the trip to Las Vegas against Kentucky. They'll have a pair of Big Ten conference games with Penn State and Minnesota. And they've also got a trip to Cleveland later in the month of December against West Virginia. So the next couple weeks, if they can get by this one, they'll have a chance then to to really work on some of the weaknesses and work on some of the things that have been sloppy in the first couple games. But I think this is a this is a litmus test game for the Buckeyes. This will tell us where Ohio State is right now. Because Villanova is a really good team. I'm not sure that they're the 10th best team in the country or not, but they did look really good in their season opener against Army. They won that one 97-54. It's, it's an impressive team. They had four guys in double figures, two more guys that scored eight points. So they've got five or six scorers coming in, including two guys that cracked 20 in that game against Army. So big game for Ohio State tonight. 7 p.m. tip, FS1 against number 10, Villanova. Be there or be square if you can't show up and be loud at the Shot and Scene Center. Then flip it on to FS1 and at least catch some Buckeye basketball here early season. Should be a fun game. A little bit of scheduling news here before we wrap it up. Chris Holtman mentioned this at his presser on Tuesday. If you are a big fan of the schedule that Ohio State has put together, you're in for a treat. It appears that's not going away. Next year, they will be participating in the Battle for Atlantis which is one of the premier early season college basketball tournaments. And coming up in a few years, they are tentatively scheduled to appear in Maui. And I don't need to tell you about the Maui Invitational because if you've watched any college basketball whatsoever, you know that that is numero uno on the list of college basketball exempt tournaments throughout the year. And it looks like the Buckeyes will be making a long-awaited return to Maui coming up here in a few years, at least according to Chris Holtman. So the Buckeye basketball program having a terrific non-conference schedule under Chris Holtman, it doesn't appear that's going away anytime soon. Should be a lot of fun to watch Ohio State basketball games in November and December these next few years. 
That's going to wrap it up for Locked On Buckeyes. We'll be back tomorrow. More Ohio State football, hopefully with the reinstatement of Chase Young to talk about, and we will definitely get into Ohio State basketball, recapping the game against Villanova as well. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Locked On Buckeyes, singular. Give us a listen. Tell some family, friends, friends, family, what have you. Tell them to listen to Locked On Buckeyes. They can find us on your on their favorite podcasting platform. We're on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many other third-party platforms. Until tomorrow, I'm Kyle Lamb. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening, everybody.